Hi, and welcome to Pacifim Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. Now, as we work towards the main point of the sermon that started at nine, okay? And so um, we're good to go to turn to the Word of God now, Emily. Uh, oh, can I say this one thing? Um, unfortunately, we're having some challenges with the camera again. Um, we had to change the the projector and uh, us it changed all the settings and we just can't get the we just can't get the projector working uh, properly yet so today's message will be recorded but it'll be recorded on the audio thing what's the audio thing jen podcast uh, on what apple podcast spotify something like that and so you might not want to hear this again, or you might. It's up to you. You might want somebody you really care for to hear this. Well, it won't be on on the um, visual, but it, but it'll be on audio. Okay. So let's get to the Word of God right now. Uh, so um, before I read the text, let me ask you not to switch off when we start. Because I know in the past when a verse that I'm about, the text I'm about to read is read, a lot of people switch off. So I want you to stay with me when I announce it and come with me on a bit of a journey. Because there's a few things I need to, that need to be mentioned to set the context as we get to the verse I really want to use. And it is very appropriate. Uh, but when we start, you're going to wonder what we're doing and you're going to want to fade out or leave. But but stay with me a little bit here. And I do know that I'm probably preaching to the converted, but um, I want to get through this. I've got to make some, I've got to make some points so I can get to the to the main emphasis. So so stay with me and turn to with with me if you will to Malachi, the book of Malachi. Uh, or if they're Italian, um, the Bull of Malachi, the Book of Malachi, Malachi, uh, Malachi, if you're Hebrew, Malachi, if you're Italian, and chapter 3, and we're reading from verses 8 to 12. It reads like this, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings, that there will, be not, there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. All nations, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now I know some people have a problem with tithing. It's probably partly an Australian trait when you start talking about money. Uh, so I know people, some have a problem with that. But at the same time, I know that a lot of people and, and a lot of people in this church uh, 
um, have testimonies how God has blessed them because of their tithing. Right? In fact, can I just have a quick wave to me? All those who've got a testimony how God blessed them because they tithed. Praise God. Thank you for that. Um, Nevertheless, I, I have to highlight a couple of points to get to my main point. And this is where I need you to stick with me and bear because it's important. Some will argue against tithing on the basis that they're no longer under the law. But the law didn't instigate tithing. In fact, if you go to the law where it talks about tithing, it, it barely gives instruction and direction on it. As you will be aware, the practice of tithing was actually instigated by Abraham well before the law was introduced. And, and, and you know Abraham is known as the father of the faith. In Genesis 14, 18 to 20, and, and listen to this because the picture is very clear. Now Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. So the king of peace brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Ab- Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then he gave him a tithe of all. So we can see the picture and we can go into a lot of detail about that picture, what it means. But, but um, we first need to get a heads around the fact that it was Abraham, right? Before we get to the first highlight, the first thing we want to emphasize, Romans 4 and 3 says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So Abraham was saved by faith, not by adherence to the law. I know you know this, but I need to emphasize this. Abraham had nothing to do with the law. He was, he was saved by faith. That's why he's called father of the faith, because he was the first one uh, who was actually accounted as righteous because he believed what God said. So it's faith, right? So and again in, verse, uh, in part of verse 4, 16, we read this line. But also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So if, we, if you're now saved by faith, if you believe what God has said and now that's accounted to you as righteousness, you, you're actually children of Abraham, right? Because he, that's how we became the father of faith. But I want you to get this. I want you to see this. And, and this is my first point. Abraham tithed because gave him vic- God gave him victory over his enemies. Okay, Abraham tithed because God had given him victory over his enemies. Anybody here has some victory over your enemies? Anybody here received victory over your enemies because of what God's done? In in fact, we could spend the whole morning talking about the victory and triumph of Christ that is now given to us because of what God has done, right? So there's there's that identification, but get to the point First point is, Abraham tithed because God gave him victory over his enemies. In Hebrews 7, let me emphasize again. Ultimately, who, gave, who gives us the ultimate victory over our enemy? Jesus. Okay, okay. Hebrews 7, 1 to 3. This is what it says about the situation. For this Melchizedek, part is explaining the symbolism for this. 
For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains priest continually. So he's, he's, what the author of Hebrews is, is showing the picture there and highlighting the important parts of who this priest was. And there's some who would like to say that, that this priest was actually Jesus. I'm not sure about that. But the thing is, he's a very clear picture. He's a symbol, at the very least, of the, of the Lord my God, of, of Christ our Saviour. Can we all see that? These things are are well known but probably important because we need to get the picture of about tithing, right? From Abraham. Anyway, now we'll go on. Some say Jesus never mentioned tithing, but he actually did. In Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay a tithe of mint and ease and and cumin, and have neglected, but and have neglected the weight of matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Without leaving the others undone. So now, because I know people who present this argument, who are persuaded that that Jesus um, tithing is Old Testament and Jesus never mentioned Testament, because they're so passionate about it, I thought. And this is, this is a personal homework I did a long time ago. But I, I thought I'd better check to make sure I'm not wrong. I, I'm, I don't want to point the finger at other ones, but I do want to make sure I'm not wrong. I want to know what I believe and what I believe is right. So I did my homework. And of course, I, I went with the, to the Greek and I even checked out the grammar. And it still says that Jesus says um, it didn't change at all. Uh, these you would have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus actually did say you should continue to tithe, right? And that, but that isn't the main point of this passage for me. Um, the main point is uh, what is the main point? Oh, the main point's this: the law. If you go back now and study the law, the law actually never told them to tithe mint. And he's and coming. It, it never tithed them to tithe on on the herbs and spices. It did tell them to tithe on all the um, grains, fruits, vegetables. It told them to tithe on food that's substantial. It told them to tithe on that, but it it never said and now tithe on the flavoring because that's there's nothing substantial about this except there's the flavoring that they add to the food. Right? You, you get that. The law never said them to do this, but they did it, and they did it meticulously, ridiculously meticulously. And, and, but the point I want to make is I want you to notice that Jesus never corrected them. He didn't say, hey, guys, wait a minute, go back and reread that because it actually says you shouldn't do, it didn't say you should do that. And there's a reason he didn't correct them. He didn't correct them and he didn't rebuke them. All he was saying was, hey, guys, you should do that and good on you for doing that. 
and even going further than you were actually required to do, but you've neglected the weightier matters of, of, of the law, mercy, grace, faith. You've, negl- you've focused in that and you've even gone beyond that, but you've missed the main point. You hear what I'm saying right now? So he never rebuked them or even tried to correct them or let them know, hey, wait a minute, you're doing this, but it never says that in the law. And, and I think I know why. It's because that um, tithing, the offerings and sacrifices were never about the money. Like God needed a help to get through the week. You know, when I was a young man before I met Jane, uh, after, after a motorbike accident in which I learned how to drink, um, I went back to work and I would get paid on Thursday. So I'd come home and give my uh, mum some, uh, what's it, board money, housekeeping. And then I'd go out. And nearly every week on Sunday I'd go and ask mum if she can lend me some money. Just bad. I just, I just wasn't good at handling money. Uh, until Jane came along and took control of that. She didn't actually take it. I yielded that because I knew that we would never get anywhere unless something changed. But the point was that, you know, um, I know what it's like to get through the week, but God doesn't need an extra hand to get through the week. It was never about money. It was never like, oh, I think I've bit off more than I can chew or, you know, I spent the budget, I overdid the budget for this. God's not like that because it was never about the money. The Bible says he owns all the gold and silver, the cattle and a thousand. He he created everything. He literally owns everything. We actually own very little. We're just stewards of of what he's let us use. And then one day we're going to have to give an account to that, right? So it's never about the money, never. God's always got more than enough. He's the God who goes abundantly above and beyond. So it's never about the money. What it is about is the heart, Every place, Old Testament, New Testament, when you talk about money, let's call it tithing, offering, sacrifices, giving, whatever, way and beyond, it's always about heart. In fact, this book of Malachi for the Italians, Malachi for the Hebrews, is addressed... Specifically, the word we just read in our text is addressed to a backslidden nation. God doesn't care too much about them and giving him money. He's caring that their heart is not near him. Their heart is not for him. Their heart is not towards him. And he's calling them back. I find it fascinating. Oftentimes, churches will look at this scripture as a way of fundraising. But it's not about fundraising. If God's called us, eventually, you know, when he gets it done his way, he will pay. It will happen. But it's about the condition of the heart. All the time it's about the condition of the heart, especially here in Malachi. The whole book is to address a backslidden nation whose heart was far from the Lord. So, giving, tithing, offerings, sacrificing, 
Uh, it's all about the condition of the heart. And, and that's the first point I really want us to see today. Well, sorry, that's not the first point, is it? That's the second point. The first point was that Abraham tithed because God gave him victory over his enemies. The next point is tithes offering sacrifices are really about heart issues. And I used to have this argument, so many people would come and try to, from the scriptures, show me that they're not under the law, um, but they're under love. They're not under the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus never talked about tithing. I don't have to tithe. But then I used to get a bit cranky because I thought, yeah, great. And I, I, I used to be, I used to be a little bit sarcastic. If you think I'm sarcastic now, <laughs> I used to be a little sarcastic. So when they would talk to me about under the law, I said, that's marvellous. Because if you go by the tithe, you only give 10%. But if you go under love, you give everything. Thank you. I had some people who wouldn't tithe, but they would buy stuff for the church or make stuff for the church. Sure, we really needed another table with wonky legs. Or we needed another bench and couldn't find anywhere to put it. It was, it was for some people, it was more about control. For, for some people, it was is a... No trust or confidence in the leadership of the church to, uh, uh, to steward God's finances. And remember, we were given to God, not to the church. But anyway, um, so they would look after what they thought they would need and what they wanted to do. But, but the bottom line is when people – this is what I learned. When people wanted to talk to me about tithing and argue against it, it was never about the money. It was all about the condition of their heart. You remember Jesus, he's, he's at the temple one day and he's watching the offering. He's literally, how rude. He's literally leaning in, watching how much people are giving. He's just, okay. And then that poor old lady came and gave two mites. And, and he was like so impressed that he called the guys over. Hey, I don't know if he did it loud so she could hear or not. See this old woman here? She's been the biggest giver today. She's given everything. This is awesome, guys. Look at this. And there's two mites. Wait, two, two copper coins? No, because she had a heart for the kingdom of God. You hear what I'm saying right now? It's always about heart. Anything about giving is always about heart. Um, remembering our text is a specific word from a backslidden people whose heart was far from God. And it, isn't it interesting that God would say to them, hey, I want you to come back and I'll show you some stuff. But you've got to tithe. Why? Because it's a reflection of the heart. Okay? So I'm, the first point is Abraham, the father of faith, the father of all those who believe, because we believe like him, Tithe because God gave him victory over his enemies. The second is tithing, offering, sacrifices, giving, whatever word we want to use, is all about the issues of the heart. An indicator, if you like, of what's going on in the heart. So when people have issues about giving, it's really not about what they say it is, it's about what's going on in their own hearts. Uh, and, and we need to remember that. Um, one of the biggest things is we need to remember that Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. 
We had the best night at men's group the other night. And what happens in men's group stays in men's group. But we had a great discussion, uh, which I'm not going to tell you anything about. But I will say this. One of the things I've come away thinking about is that phrase that Jesus said, you'll know them by their heart. The fruit, you'll know them by their fruit. And, and the question I, I came away with is, what's the fruit? What's the fruit of my life? Because John the Baptist says, you guys better repent and start to bear fruit. But then he says, real fruit, fruit that remains. Not fruit that goes bad and rots away, but fruit that remains. I never said this on Thursday night, by the way. But I'm, I'm quoting my source, so you know I'm legit. I, what's the fruit? Are we bearing fruit that remains? Because it's not so much about how we give or what we give. It's, it's about what kind of fruit that produces and the heart that releases that, sows that, so that fruit can come. We good so far? Okay. I need to let you know that in the, if you start to do a serious study about giving, uh, tithing, sacrifices, offerings, all the different things that uh, are mentioned in Old Testament and New too, the way we give in New Testament, uh, we give more, we give from the heart, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I want you to know there's so many different forms of giving. There's so many different kinds of tithing. So many different reasons behind sacrifices and offerings. There's just so many. For some reason, we as a church just focus in on the one, the 10%. But I want to tell you, it doesn't say only just give 10%. And, and I know some people. And I know some people. I don't, it's not that I've heard about some people. I know some people, we know some people personally that actually pay three tithes. And you've heard me say this before, that they tithe um, to their mentor, the mentor who influences them spiritually, who's, who's covering their comment, they tithe to their mentor, they tithe to the church, some tithe to the Great Commission, some tithe, and, and a lot of people actually pay a tithe to the orphans and widows. I, we know people who have paid three tithes. We ourselves, uh, we've always tithed from the moment we got saved. But tithing is just where we start. Uh, a need comes up or we get challenged or stirred up. In fact, when the things aren't going right in our house, in our marriage, you know the first thing Jane does? Is make sure we've paid our tithes. And then, and then if, if we have, we need to give some more. I know a man. I, I haven't seen him for year, for decades, actually. But I remember uh, God had miraculously, just dramatically saved his soul. And he actually uh, started his own business and he was actually doing exceedingly well and he was tithing on his personal income and in the business as well. And then he got this, the revelation of giving and then he got convicted and he said, he said, my aim is to tithe 90% and live on the 10. Now, I don't know if he reached that. But last time I ever um, spoke to him or was aware of what he was doing, he got to about 60%, 70% and living on the rest. 
I just didn't know about this man. I knew this man. I know some business people. Well, I know quite a few business people. But a lot of them, and I'm thinking of a few of them right now, they will tithe from what the, their business pays them, but then monthly or even annually, they will tithe on the increase that the business has. Because the Bible talks about tithing on the increase. What All I'm doing is saying there are many, many ways of tithing. There's many ways of, of, of sacrifices for different reasons, there's offerings for different reasons. So it's not just, oh, 10% tick the box, done. No, it's about a heart condition to God, right? And there's many forms of it. But here's the thing, the people that I know that have done these sort of things, they've done it because they had a personal revelation. They had an encounter with God, they had a revelation, and, and, and the thing is, um, they got convicted, they weren't told by anyone, this is something they figured out and something they started to practice. So I think it's our responsibility to share about giving unto the Lord and all that sort of stuff. But what you actually do then comes from your own heart. But I'll tell you this, those people never went without. It didn't mean they didn't have trouble at times. They've had plenty of troubles, but they always had enough. They always had more than enough. Which is leading it to my point. Um, so let me having laid those few foundational truths let me get to the main point and hopefully you can see why this is important whether you're aware of it or not the pressure that families of the church and the church itself has been under it's actually spiritual because we publicly declared some stuff. We put our heart out there and our intention for the kingdom of God. We were going to go hard and we were going to pay the price and we were going to sacrifice for the kingdom of God, right? So when we do, and we still are, but when we do that, you attract attention from the enemy. It comes in. And as I said at the beginning, um, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. And, and for us, that is Jesus and him crucified. And we hold that up and we raise it up. He's our banner and we lift the banner by worshipping, uh, by, by praising him, by worshipping him, but by giving. So let me read the next bit. In fact... No, let me read it. Malachi 3, 11 to 12. Listen to the words that the Lord is speaking to this backslidden nation, these people whose heart are far from the Lord. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Obviously, obviously, this isn't a one-size-fits-all. Obviously, there's this personal, intimate relationship, this connection between you and the Lord, which is all about you and the Lord. 
It's that encounter that you have and the revelation that flows from it, how you respond to him. The, the basics is tithe, right? Because the tithe is the Lord's anyway. The basic is tithe, but then there's this dynamics of this, in, this personal relationship which brings conviction or direction and, and which brings peace and joy to your hope, to your heart, which then overflows with praise, worship, but also in the way you live and the way you give of yourself. So we need to be aware of that. So when we talk about some stuff, it's just this is the promise, but you have to go with God and obey your heart and, and do what's right between you and him, which could be different for every one of us. Last week I talked about suffering. I think it was from Romans. And through a bit of study and through a bit of thought and ex- life experience, we, I saw four things, four areas where we suffer. We suffer naturally or physically with age, injury or illness. We suffer the consequences of our own poor decisions. We suffer the misdemeanors of others. And there's the times when we suffer out and out spiritual attack. And while there was a different context to the point here, um, the enemy will pinpoint our weaknesses, our vulnerability, and focus in on them. So it might be different for all of us. So while these things might be natural, while these things might be uh, consequences of poor decisions, the, the deal is the enemy will take an opportunity to focus in on them. Can be spiritual, can be physical, can be mental, emotional, financial. The enemy knows where we are most vulnerable. And that's where we have to take a stand. What I, what I want to do now is use those two verses from 11 and 12 and, and see the first line, the first line of our defense and the first line of our counterattack with the enemy, the thing that we should be practicing when we take a stand and continue to stand is giving. Is tithing. He said, check him on this. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes when you bring your tithe to the storehouse. As I said with Jane's story, the truth is when you're counselling, we probably don't ever say this, but, but when we're counselling and people are under a lot of pressure, one of the first questions should, we should ask is, um, do you actually tithe? Because God says here, if you tithe, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. I'll hold him back. I won't let him get his way. He won't be able to spoil. He, he might try, but he won't be able to spoil. You hear what I'm saying right now? For a, for a church and a, and a people who are under pressure, who, who aren't just going to cop it anymore, a people who are taking hold of the promises of God, a people who realise that while there might be some natural physical stuff going on here, we realise the enemy now is, is using that as a, as a wedge, as a, a point of focus to attack us because we're vulnerable there. And the first thing we ought to do then is say, okay, the first line of our defence and the first line of our attack is tithing. It's not about the money. It's about an expression of our heart. And God gave us this promise. I will rebuke the devourer. Now, you know, you 
don't have to live very long or be around very long before you realise that God's the ultimate victory and triumph anyway. And everything that happens to us either has to get his, is instigated by him or he gives permission or allows to happen for our benefit. All things do work together for good. One way or another, God uses stuff. So God is ultimately in control anyway. He's the final say. When the enemy came against Job, he had to go to God and ask permission. And God said, go for it. And so the enemy had to go. But if you read the end of the book, it says that Job was more blessed at the end than he was at the beginning. So we've learned, Jane and I, we've learned that our first response in the spiritual battle, of course, is faith. We praise him. When we're feeling the pressure, or especially me just of late, when I'm feeling some pressure, I wait till the house is empty and uh, I get on YouTube and, and right now my favourite uh, songwriter is a maverick. So I turn it up. The other Sunday night, uh, the other Saturday, Jane was out all day. She had to go out all day. So I was just like, what is going on? Trying to think and trying to pray. And I went, man, just couldn't get my head together. So I, I realised I was on my own and I'd done my chores already. I'd started them. Uh, the first load of the washing was being done. And I went to, I went to the uh, television and I got on the YouTube channel and I typed in Maverick and I just played and replayed and played the song we learnt this morning. For me, it was me encouraging myself in the Lord. You know that phrase? That phrase comes from David. While David was out doing the Lord's bidding and, and uh, attacking the enemy, uh, the enemy snuck in uh, into David's camp and took everything. The wives, the children, the dogs, any, any clothes, anything uh, looked like it was worth it. They took the whole lot. And David came back and they devastated. They're all gutted. We've been out looking for, king, you know, defending, doing kingdom stuff, defending, attacking, doing all this kingdom stuff, and, and the enemies took everything. And, and it said that they all turned on David. Funny, isn't it? All these men turned on David. They were so upset and angry, and somehow it's David's fault. So they all turned on David. But it says of David that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he said to the Lord, shall I go after them? He said, Go. And you'll get everything back. And he did. And of course, after that, his men loved him. But the deal, the deal was, we've got to learn how when we're under attack, when we're really heartbroken, when, when things haven't gone like we want, in fact, they've gone much worse, we, we need to get to that place where we can encourage ourselves in the Lord, remind ourselves of what the Lord's done, remind ourselves of the promises that he has for our future. And then we, know, we get up and we start to praise him. Turn it up loud. Play it again, play it again, play it again, play it again. Till so it gets not just in my head, gets in my heart, gets in my spirit. i got a song to sing. And it's not a dirge of remorse and regret 
of, of you know, suffering. And all. It's actually a song of celebration. It's a song of praise. It gets into your head, gets into your heart, gets into your spirit. And, you know, you, you, you just start to look at things different. You encourage yourselves in the Lord. And as I've said, I did that the other week. Pumped it up. Played it as loud as the television could bear it. Which wasn't loud enough for me, but it was pretty, it was pretty loud. And I, I think the neighbours must have been, what's that? Where's that coming from? I didn't know the markets were on today. Uh, we love where we live. Uh, but the thing is, every second week, the markets start about 7 o'clock in the morning and put the radio on full on. Uh, but it was, it was I, I played it loud and I played it a lot. I want to use this morning to encourage us, to encourage you. There's lots happening. Things we didn't expect, things we didn't want. Bad things, hurtful things. From sickness, illness, from uh, family problems, disputes. I hate it when the family starts to argue and look like they're, you know, turning against each other separate. I hate that. And then people who misunderstand, misquote, accuse, blame. <sighs> what can you do? Each and every one of us, just of late, I've gone through something like that. And the enemy, as I said also last week, he, he's got a three-pronged attack. And, and it's either to distract, to deceive, or to dissuade you. In those places, we need to stop. We need to remind ourselves and we need to turn it up. Because ultimately, ultimately the victory and the triumph is already ours. Christ disarmed our enemy. When he nailed that thing which was missing, he nailed it to the cross for us. We, we just got to get into that. Which is a whole other message. But if you're going through specifically hard times, let me encourage you. God is on your side and if God be with, for you, who can be against you? But we need to position ourselves. And it's one of faith where we believe. We believe what he said is true, so we get up and we celebrate it. Not only do we celebrate it, we then act on it. As I said, tithing, giving, making sacrifices, offerings, it's, it's an individual, personal thing that we have to go to the Lord and, and, and make the deal or, or do some listening, just be led by your heart and say, okay, here we go, God. The, the reason I was talking about that verse today wasn't so much the tithe. It was the defence and the blessing that God can bring, that God will bring. I will rebuke the devourer. He shall not spoil anything. You'll be blessed to the point where all the nations of the earth will look at you and go, uh-huh, that is a good place to be. Didn't we hear that the other week? Ask of me, I think it's Jane told us, 
And God said, ask me something outrageous, something extreme, and I'm going to give it to you so that all the nations will know that this is God. This has to be God. God is speaking to us. God is preparing us. God is opening up doors. And the enemy knows it. We stood in faith. We declared it. We spoke it out. We made plans. We started moving. Of course, the enemy moved to discredit that before it started. But is it going to stop us? No. We're going to break through. We're going to break through with praise. We're going to break through with worship. We're going to break through in faith, holding on to the promises of God. And we're going to break through in our giving. I'm just going to leave that with you now. You do with that as you think you ought. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at pacifentchristianchurch.com.